I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. Health, they say, is a crown the healthy wear, but only the sick can see. If living through the scary times we've been exposed to through the coronavirus pandemic have made me aware of one thing, it's that I'm grateful for what seems to be a robust immune system. But how much does the strength of our immune system rely on luck, on the health that we're born with, and how much can be shaped by the way we live our lives, how we bring our children up? My guest today is a consultant paediatrician and father of two, Dr. Yanis Yanu. Yanis, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a very busy clinic to, to speak to me today. Thank you, Marina. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, well, I wanted to start really by just talking a little bit about what the risk of coronavirus is on healthy children. I mean, we see in the media, you know, these many people who are dying. But when it comes to our children, and I'm talking really about children with no pre-existing health conditions, what having, you know, had sort of six months of this, what do you think your view on, on the actual danger for these children is? I've had so many inquiries from parents and in my clinics and also by emails, calls about about the concern about the risk for children. And the message overall has throughout the whole experience of this past six, even longer months from abroad as well, has for children certainly has, has overwhelmingly been quite reassuring the message in that children in general are not being affected by the virus. And and if they are being affected by the virus, then it tends to be very minor symptoms or indeed not having symptoms at all, as we call asymptomatic carriage uh, of the virus. So so the the news has been good from a from a child's perspective, clearly from the perspective of adults and 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 other vulnerable people, it's not been the case. So there, there have been a, a number of studies looking at numbers and, and, and we're looking at very, very low percentages, something like one percent of all cases are accounted for by by children. And that, that's that's figures looked at through the first pandemic of this year. So reassuring is the message generally for, for, for COVID-19 to parents. And I think as parents were told that, you know, the risk factors increase hugely if you have underlying health issues and you then see parents saying oh you know my daughter has a little bit of asthma does that make her high risk when we're talking about these underlying health issues how serious do these health issues need to be to have an effect or is it something that's quite mild that can have an impact yeah i i think the the experience has shown and it's not not just in my practice this is in in hospitals and and reports that have come out that the children that the the very very small number of children that have been 
unfortunately very seriously affected have had significant underlying medical health conditions. So um, a child who has mild symptoms of asthma or wheezing, for example, it doesn't put them into a higher bracket of concern necessarily. The, the, of course, anything is possible. And it's, it's certainly possible a child who is previously well and healthy can be more seriously affected, but we just haven't seen it. The numbers haven't been there. Uh, children tend not to be testing even positive for the virus. And as I said earlier, those that are testing positive tend to have minor symptoms. And even the few that we have seen that have been admitted to hospital tend to have been in one or two days and then, and then back home without any, uh, any long-term or significant problems. So again, it, it, the, the, those that have been affected have had much more significant underlying health issues. And so does that mean that we shouldn't worry about our children getting coronavirus? Yeah, I, I think that's, we have to base it on experience so far. And the experience that's in all reports internationally, and particularly for the UK, which is relevant, I suppose, for your, for your listeners as well, is that... Of course, we have to be aware of any illness in a child and particularly younger children because they're generally more vulnerable to illnesses. However, specifically with COVID-19, if they do have the illness, no, you shouldn't be concerned as a parent. But of course, you have to be vigilant. And I suppose as a paediatrician, the message I'm sending out to parents is is important to be aware of other illnesses. One of the biggest concerns earlier in the year is that families were staying away from hospital. And I think for many reasons that was justified. But also there are many situations if a child is unwell, where if you do need your child to be seen, it's really important to get them to your, whether it's your GP or to your local emergency department and not wait it out in in every situation or at least to get some advice. Yeah. One one thing I'm asked a little bit is I obviously teach the bump class teaching antenatal women. If a woman, we know that there are risks for pregnant women in terms of breathing and coronavirus, small risks, I understand. But if a woman does have coronavirus, can she pass a degree of immunity by having had the virus onto her baby? Is that is that necessarily is that potentially a good thing? Potentially. I, I, I mustn't claim expertise in areas that I'm not expert. And the obstetric side certainly is, is one of those that I would defer to my obstetric colleagues. But if you extrapolate from what happens in general with immunity, if there's enough time for mother to, de- to, to develop immunity, then potentially, yes, that can confer some protection. Um, however, I'm not sure at this stage whether that, that's known, where, uh, enough information is known about that to be, to be conclusive. And then obviously when women do have their babies and you've got sort of newborn babies in the house and you're usually quite careful. I remember being quite vigilant at saying, you know, please, can you wash your hands before you handle my baby? People are obviously a bit more anxious in terms of coronavirus. But do babies fall into that category like children that actually they don't seem to be affected by coronavirus um, in any way that's greater than, you know, children? Again, in terms of the, 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 the numbers and the reviews of cases so far, absolutely, they do fit into that category in terms of not being affected. That's not to say they haven't tested positive. So there have, there have been cases tested positive in very young infants. But the concern about them developing significant symptoms or illness just hasn't been there to date. 
again, having said that, newborns, particularly the first few weeks, are tend to be much more vulnerable in terms of any infection or illness. And therefore, vigilance is definitely needed. And if there's any doubt, particularly with the very young ones, it's really important to have, have children checked in that age group. From a personal point of view, I remember having visitors when I had very newborn children, quite stressful. So actually, maybe saying, let's leave it for the first two weeks. Let's leave us to kind of just chill as a family together is is probably quite a nice thing to do, even, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's advice I give to to new parents generally in my clinic, that, that, that that time alone with baby or other family members is really important. And in some ways, this takes away the pressure of having to say yes to every every family member that wants to come and visit. I'm sure the family members won't be as happy, but I think a measured approach is important. Yes, of course, maintaining contact with loved ones and family members, but it does give that opportunity for for that really important time for mum and baby and and, and, and parents and baby to bond without without the pressure of the socialising. Yeah, exactly. So I'd love to talk a little bit about what impact the coronavirus pandemic has had overall on our children's immune system, because it, it, I, I don't know, obviously, half as much as you about the immune system. But as far as I'm aware, the immune system relies on exposure to bugs and viruses in order to be built. And I wonder whether, because we've all been so fastidious about hygiene and cleanliness, and also children have been going to school where they pick up a, an array of, of bugs, whether this has had an impact on our children's immune systems. Again, I suppose in terms of any long-term effect, it's very early days in the pandemic with experience with COVID nineteen and, and the pandemic. I suppose that the likelihood for an individual child of there having been a, a, a negative or a detrimental effect from from this sort of extra hygiene measures that are being taken at the moment is very un- unlikely. Um, what's certainly the case is there have been fewer cases of the usual infections. And I've seen many families now who are coming back to see us with the sorts of common respiratory viral symptoms that for that whole period just weren't seeing as many of. But that's probably more because the lack of mixing and not being in nursery and not being in the school environment. But as to whether that's now had a, a negative effect on, on children's immune system, the immune system is being bombarded constantly, whether you're in the home, outside the home, uh, uh, there will be a constant, uh, the immune system is constantly active. So it's unlikely to have had any long term effect. Of course, the longer it goes on for it remains to be seen what that effect is. And, and in terms of, of allergies, I mean, I did, I read something saying that there was a rise in allergies that had been reported, and that could potentially be attributed to, again, the lack of exposure. Is, is that something that you, you see or you believe in? Yeah, well, I, I suppose this, I mean, this, this comes back to probably, again, I defer again to my uh, expert allergy colleagues on this, but there, 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 there is a, a general trend in rise in allergies preceding the, 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 this, uh, this year. And I'm sure you've heard of, of, of theories such as the hygiene hypothesis and, and the fact that allergies are much more common in developed countries than in other countries. And, and so, so I suppose there's something potentially in that, whether it's proven or not, is difficult to say at the moment, but it, it, it remains to be seen, I suppose. Yeah. And so, I mean, for me, obviously, the immune system, something you sort of I've, I've 
been lucky enough to take for granted for the majority of my life. And over these last nine months, you've realized how important having a robust immune system is. How much of our immune system is, you know, how we're born, our genetics, and how much is, you know, determined by how we live our lives? And I guess the question is, is there anything that we can do as parents to boost our children's and our immune systems? What, what, what are the important factors here? Well, I think well, th- there are there are a lot of factors relate uh, in relation to the immune system, Marina, and I, I think that, that it all it starts from the very beginning, I suppose, in that uh, the, the 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 very early days, babies are born with an immature immune system, and therefore they are more vulnerable to, to infections. But the early interventions, such as breastfeeding, which confers Im- immunity, and a lot of immunity is inherited. Uh, from from mother uh, during the, the, certainly in the latter stages of pregnancy, um, so there is protection from very early on. But that natural immunity tends to wear off over the first year of a, a of a baby's life, and and typically it's towards the end of that first year, maybe coincide with starting a nursery or play groups that that all the the, the viral infections tend to to start showing themselves. Um, so. I, the, the answer to your question is probably nothing complicated and nothing that parents aren't doing already. So some of the key areas would be good nutrition. So the things that you're probably hearing all the time, so a healthy, balanced diet, all the things that toddlers love, like fruits and vegetables, probably more <laughs> fat fans of fruit than they are vegetables. But but all of these things that contain vitamins that really um, are, are, are essential to the immune system. But it's not just fruit and vegetables. It's a, it's the healthy, balanced, balanced diet. I don't think I'm going to say anything groundbreaking here, but quality <laughs> sleep, quality things like exercise in terms of general health and well-being for a child. Those those three things, I would say, are the most important, the nutrition, health uh, and exercise. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And sleep is an interesting one. It's not something I think we always necessarily kind of correlate with, I mean, good health generally, but the immune system. How, how would good sleep or lack of sleep affect our immune system? So again, many much of this will be uh, taken from information from adults, and there is evidence to suggest that lack of sleep or, or inadequate sleep can affect the immune system or make people more vulnerable to certain infections and, and illnesses. Um, now, whether that's been proven for sure in children, but certainly there is uh, there is a lot of value in in quality sleep for children as well, and that and part of that will show itself in the immune system. 
And, and I suppose, you know, when we are ill, we all want to sleep. We all tend to sleep a bit yeah. more, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think it, the, the value of it is is up there with with the, the good and healthy nutrition and, and, and other things that are very commonly recognised to be to be valuable to your health, such as exercise, etc. I mean, you mentioned exercise. How important is getting outdoors for children? That sort of fresh air is that quite an important part of of, of the exercise and and general well being? Yeah, I, I think there there are there are factors beyond the immune systems. I'm, uh, immune system. So the physical health, their their mo- the motor development, particularly of younger children, uh, mental health and well being of children in terms of being outdoors and walking and physical exercise. And I think that certainly parents have have said to me that one of the things they found hardest during that period was just not getting out and about as much. And I think it's been great, particularly at the beginning of uh, the school year, to see children back at school doing the the physical activities that they that, that they that, that they enjoy so much. So no, that, and that's I, definitely I, benefit. Yeah, yesterday it was pouring with rain. I forced yeah. my children to go on a long walk with much resistance, but we all just felt so much better and happier for it. And yeah. actually it was so nice because my daughter and I chatted and she obviously needed to chat to me. And it was a nice opportunity to do that, that yeah. probably wouldn't have presented itself in, in the home. Otherwise, I think as long as your waterproof gear is, is good enough, then you can get out in any, uh, in any temperatures and weathers. Because there is a widespread misconception that you get a cold from being cold. <laughs> That's not true, is it? Uh, I have to say, I was raised hearing that every day. I'm, I'm from a Greek family and, uh, <laughs> and, and being adequately clothed was, was, was an essential part of our upbringing. It's been hard to shake that off with my own children, I have to say. It, it, it's the viral infections, as you know, that will cause an upper respiratory illness of some kind. And colder weather generally brings with it more viral infections. So there, there's certainly an association with cold weather. Whether going out into the cold inadequately clothed is going to cause that is it's unlikely. It's the underlying um, infections themselves causing it. Oh, well, that makes but me I... feel a little bit better about the fact that my children stripped off this weekend and got <laughs> jumped into a very deep puddle. <laughs> well, and I'm sure that I'm sure they're the better for it. <laughs> you mentioned the importance of good nutrition. How? What about vitamins and prebiotics and probiotics? I mean, again, you know, you see a lot of adverts for vitamins saying, "Oh, the winter months are coming on to us." You know, we should be taking lots of, of vitamins. Is that something that we should be doing, or only in certain circumstances? It's a difficult area with vitamins. It's absolutely vitamins are important for health and well-being they're they're vital for the functioning of all systems within within the body and a healthy and balanced diet will provide those the majority of those I should say I'm sure you're familiar with vitamin d which is one of the common ones that you'll hear about that's the, the main vitamin I suppose that isn't adequately catered for through eating alone and it's through some sensible exposure to the sun and that's why nationally it's recommended that 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 infants and young children are given a vitamin d supplement from a young age and that moves on to multivitamins from around six months or so now whether it's it's difficult to say it's the supplements themselves that people need to, to invest in but actually not always particularly in the younger children does their diet bring in enough vitamins and that's why it's recommended to meet what are 
the, the regular demands of the body rather than needing additional vitamins to, to, to boost the immune system. Um, pre and probiotics, again, uh, it, it's, it's um, uh, uh, I suppose, an area that's under investigation. And at the moment, it isn't standard practice for all children to be given them as, as part, certainly as part of boosting the immune system. But again, there's a lot of research going on into what you'll be here here referred to as good bacteria uh, um, and 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 I suppose it'll be a bit of watch this space but certainly not at this stage and they're unlikely to do harm I mean if you think do you know what I just want to do all I can presumably having a good all-round multivitamin is not something that's going to harm your child in any way absolutely not and actually particularly again particularly up to the age of five nationally it is recommended for children to have a a, a multivitamin in order to 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 supplement in those areas that perhaps they're as as I'm sure you know and, and recall from when your children are younger certainly with mine they may not always finish the meals and particularly the parts of the meals that you want them to finish uh, the, the bits of broccoli etc left on the side no I have that specifically with my son who is yeah. not at all interested in eating whatsoever so it just is a little bit easier to give him some vitamins yeah. and what about the flu yeah. jab this year I think it's available in the NHS is it children under five that get it or is it all yeah, children? yeah I mean I, well I suppose actually in my in my list of, of things to do we've mentioned the the, the nutrition and sleep etc vaccinations in general under that under that general heading really important to ensure that all of the regular vaccines are are kept up to date and again one of the biggest concerns early this year is that children and particularly young babies weren't getting to have their routine vaccinations Um, so hopefully now certainly in the past couple of months there's been a period of catch-up for most children the flu vaccine yes again is is recommended in the UK, it's available from two years and older, and it's available as a, as a nasal spray. So it takes away that slight uh, discomfort of having an injection. And it's available through the NHS from, from the age of two to the uh, children that are 10 to 11 years of age. But it is available beyond that also privately. And, and, and under the age of two years, it's ava- available as an injection from six months of age for children, if, if parents would like to have it done privately as well. Yeah, because it's not a live vaccination, is it below two years of age and for pregnant women? Is that right? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So under the age of two, it's not a live vaccine. Over the age of two, it's the the nasal sprays. It it is a live vaccine and different, slightly differently from the other vaccines. It doesn't give lifelong protection necessarily. And that's why it's it's, uh, renewed annually, uh, the vaccine. And the, the vaccine does change from year to year to cover this, the most common circulating strains of, of the flu virus. And again, this year particularly, it would be ideal to have as many children protected from flu to reduce the burden of flu nationally, but also flu can be an unpleasant illness, so it's important to protect children from it. And if a vaccine's available that's shown to be safe and effective, then, then absolutely it's worth giving. Yeah, no, I I remember I've had flu once in my life and it was absolutely miserable. And I, my father, who's who's a GP, always said the the true test of flu is the fifty pound note test. If you drop a fifty pound note on the floor, if you've got proper flu, you won't go and get it because you feel so terrible. And I think the problem is is that a lot of people get a bit of a cold and say, oh, I'm feeling a bit fluy today. And so as a result, there's this idea that flu is basically a cold, which is not. I mean, flu is 
you know, something that is life threatening, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it comes to an earlier part of our conversation, uh, children or adults, I suppose, slightly beyond the, the scope of our conversation. But those with pre-existing health issues or underlying problems are, are at greater risk. Most children with flu also will will tend to have perhaps a slightly more unpleasant, but cold-like symptoms, cough, temperatures, um, and be a bit more unwell for slightly longer, but will make a good and complete recovery. But some children, and every year in, in, in hospital where I work as well, we have children admitted with flu, with chest infections, and um, who can become quite unwell. So it's, it's, not, as, uh, it's not as simple as a, as a mild cold, as exactly as you've said, Marina. Yeah. And with regards to, you know, the other vaccinations, you're talking obviously about the importance of making sure that your children is on, you know, up to date with their vaccination schedule. I think there was a kind of concern at the beginning of the pandemic that you just wouldn't go to a hospital or a doctor surgery where all the sick people were going. But ultimately, am I right in thinking that actually anyone with any coronavirus symptoms is actively discouraged from going to their GP surgery? So actually you're quite unlikely to encounter someone with coronavirus in in the GP surgery for going for sort of routine vaccinations? Yeah, I, I think I think the, the message, and hopefully it's been consistent from all health professionals, has been if you do need to be seen or if your child needs to be seen, then uh, hospitals and GP practice, I, I suppose I can't speak for on, on an individual level, but they are open for business, if you like, they are there and they, they want to see families and they don't want to miss things. And we don't want children who are on well-being and parents worrying at home and, and, and managing difficult situations at home. Yes, if it's minor symptoms and you can manage and perhaps you've had some input from a, your doctor or paediatrician or, or otherwise, then then a lot of illnesses can be managed uh, at home at home safely. But the message absolutely is if there are things that are important, such as vaccinations or illnesses that need to be checked or new symptoms, nothing to do with COVID or or coronavirus that you're worried about with your child, then absolutely it's important to have them checked and bring them in. And it's safe to do so. Well, I guess, too, one of the benefits of of living through this pandemic is that we've all become a bit better at communicating remotely. I mean, I never did any podcasts remotely, and now we do them the whole time, which is actually very time efficient for everyone. But presumably, too, doctors have become better at being able to see patients and diagnose remotely than maybe they were a year ago. Uh, Again, I, I, again, I, I can't speak for the whole world in general, but it, it's almost like, what? why weren't we doing it before? That's the question I've been asking. In my own private practice, it's, it's transformed in the sense that uh, it just saves parents having to come in for every appointment. And of course, there are some situations that necessitate that face-to-face consultation, but so much we've realised uh, can be done remotely. Also within the NHS where I work as well, many of the consultations are, bu- are done safely by, by telephone. Uh, and, and I suppose not just from a doctor's perspective, the, the feedback I've received from families is that it's such a great way and it saves them a, 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 a lot of effort and um, unnecessary trips into the hospital. 
Yeah, and you're more yeah. likely potentially to go because, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's something easier. Kiara says from her older patients, she says yeah. that they've really embraced yeah. Zoom. And yeah. actually, it, it's it's especially for those that are, you know, potentially less mobile, it's it's actually been fantastic for them. Yeah, I can imagine. It's certainly been, it's been, and, and, and I suppose in my area of expertise, again, those with very young infants, and um, we talked about the very young. Now, clearly, if it's an illness, it has to be checked. And that may even mean a hospital visit. But for the vast majority of, of conversations, if it's an update on symptoms or, or, or if we're reviewing some results of investigations, for example, that, that doesn't have to be face to face. So there's definitely a lot of benefit there. So I think, you know, during coronavirus, I certainly find myself washing my hands, spraying down with antibacterial, kind of constantly asking my children to wash their hands a lot more often than I would have before. And that's partly because I'd always understood that it was good for our immune systems to be exposed to a certain amount of bacteria and microbes and dirt. Um, Am I right in understanding that that's how the immune system works, that actually by being challenged, you're making it stronger? Is, Is that true? Yes, to to a certain extent. I mean, the the immune system is there to protect you from this constant uh, constant bombardment of uh, perhaps of harmful pathogens um, that are around, whether it's bacteria, viruses, um, other allergens. But of course, in some situations, that uh, it may misinterpret those, and that's where where allergies and things come in come into play. As far as whether what's happened since the the start of this year and the lockdown period has has affected our immune systems i suppose it, it perhaps hasn't been a long enough period to have a a long term effect and yes absolutely there is some benefit to this uh, to exposure and 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 if you have a healthy immune system it will be constantly boosted by exposure to various illnesses and things i think really probably what has happened in the past few months is that people haven't been exposed to the usual viral infections. And I think what we're seeing now in schools and in homes is that people are now starting to get perhaps illnesses they might have had a few months ago. And there certainly seems to be a rise at the moment in my in my clinics, definitely. Yeah. And just in terms of sort of not even during coronavirus, but kind of ongoing, is it potentially, I mean, obviously, none of us really want coronavirus. But once this is all over, is it a good thing for us not to be too fastidious about, I mean, I've heard definitely that, you know, houses that are very clean, and where the Dettol is, you know, on hand the whole time. That isn't necessarily a great thing. It's good for them to be exposed to a little bit. Of, I mean, I remember watching my children when they were sort of crawling, sticking everything in their mouths. Once I saw Ludo put a cigarette butt in, you know, in the park in his mouth. And I thought, oh, my God. And then someone said, well, maybe that's him. You know, this innate, you know, reflex to expose themselves as young children to sort of bacteria so that you can develop that immune system. Is that the right way of thinking? Yeah, or am I, I terrible I think, mother? I think, no, no, not at all. I think it's I think I think that the sensible middle ground and sort of moderate approach is always is always the best, of course one of the biggest benefits to to society over the over the years has been better hygiene society in ter- in terms of how our cities are looked after from a hygiene point of view but of course as we discussed also previously that the, the hygiene hypothesis that we've talked about that our environment is perhaps too clean leading to a rise in allergies is certainly something that has evidence behind it but i think from a practical perspective 
for parents, I'm sure those that are listening to you, to our conversation, is that, of course, I'm, I'm not going to, to, to tell people how to clean their homes and people will have clean and t- uh, clean homes, but not to be overly concerned if there are moments like that where, where things are dropped, for example, and, and, and toddlers are putting things into their mouth and, and to have confidence that actually their immune system is dealing with that sort of issue. But equally, there will be some things you want to avoid children and toddlers putting into their mouth. So that, that sensible approach is, is, is the way to go for it, I think. And, and pets are quite a good addition to houses. Isn't that what the sort of research says? I mean, obviously not if you've got an allergy to pets, but in terms of sort of generally promoting, you know, a healthy immune system, having pets in the house isn't a bad idea. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, you are. You are right. And, and again, there is some evidence that with some pets, particularly that that may help or there may be lower incidence of, of allergies in some situations. Again, I suppose it's for parents to decide whether they're pet people or not and, uh, uh, and whether they, uh, they want to have pets within the home. Um, and so that's not to say if you don't have a pet, you're in any way uh, it's being detrimental to your child. But yes, there has been shown that by the, 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 the sorts of pathogens that live on, on dogs and other pets and things may, may help boost that, that side of the immune system. Yeah, I know that makes me feel a bit better that uh, I remember with my youngest, I uh, she was eating a rice cake and she'd take two bites of the rice cake. The dog would take a bite of the rice cake back in her mouth. And I remember <laughs> that I'd never have let that happen with my first child. But by the time the second came along, I was a bit more relaxed. So, so, sometimes best to turn a blind eye on a few things, I think. We, 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 we only have a hamster in our household, but with it, there's lots of pressure to get other animals. So I'll have to have it keep it under consideration. <laughs> that's perfect Yanis that's great if they, that's if they hear that if they hear that it if they if if they hear that it boosts their immune system they may be asking for it even more so I'll, I'll uh may or may not let them have a listen to this <laughs> well I've definitely noticed okay. a huge increase in the amount of pets at the school gate since lockdown so maybe that's what we're all doing subconsciously we might be exposing ourselves less to kind of human yeah. viruses but we're getting the kind of nasties from the dogs and the cats and the hamsters More and the, the guinea animals, pigs yeah yeah Janice, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much. I've so enjoyed having this conversation. If any of you wanted to hear more about what Dr. Yanis does, you can go and visit his website, which is doctor, spelt the full way, D-O-C-T-O-R, Yanis, which is Y-I-A-N-N-I-S dot com. I'll link it in the show notes. But uh, Yanis, thank you so much for your time today. And it was great yeah. to have you as a guest on The Parenthood. Thanks so much for inviting me. It's been a, a lovely conversation and, and I look forward to hearing it. Thanks very much. Perfect. <laughs> and thank you all for downloading another episode of The Parenthood. You can subscribe, rate and review wherever you found this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at marina.fogel. But in the meantime, from Dr. Yanis and me, thanks for listening and goodbye. Thank you.